Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. You are joined by the Lark Cats, Russ and Tony. What's going on, Russ? Going pretty good, man. Feeling feeling fantastic. Yeah, it almost kind of feels like, for me, summer's upon us. Uh, we got past, you know, winter director's cut with extended scenes and deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sun's out. I'm feeling kind of good, man, here in Chicagoland. And uh, today feels like a new day, not just because of new weather and a new season for me, but man, we're kind of entering into a new season of the LARCast. If you've been listening, we just got done with um, kind of like a Finding Freedom In series, Finding Freedom in Work, Technology, uh, even Christianity, where we just talked about just finding freedom in everyday life and all these like different areas and facets of life. Mm. And so we kind of finished that one up with finding freedom in Christianity. And you and I were talking like we always do like, all right, man, like what's next? Like, what are we going to be talking about? And as we were thinking about a next move, uh, one of the things that we brought up is um, kind of this, it was kind of like meant to be a cheesy thing. We said when we were doing the parables, um, cause you know, we went through the, the parables, I think like 28 of them or something like that. I think if you start an episode four, like it's just straight parables and it's just straight Bible. Like it's just straight up like scripture and what is Jesus saying here? And I think like a few episodes, I was like, come on in everybody. Welcome to Bible time with Russ and Tony. And, um, we would get feedback from people like, man, I miss Bible time with Russ and, and Tony. And so we're like, you know what? Let's let's get back to Bible time with Russ and Tony, and let's just pick a a, a, a book, a letter in the New Testament, and um and and start with that. And we decided to do the Gospel of John. So here we are. We're done with the Finding Freedom in, and we're starting a new string of podcasts in the Gospel of John. That's going to be the bulk of the direction. We might have, you know, we have the freedom, obviously, to like pause and stop and maybe go a different direction or bring somebody on or something like that. But the general kind of like aim and direction of the Larkast moving forward is you and I are going to start tackling and getting into the Gospel of John. Yeah, dude. And cheers to that. We, uh, one of the things I do love, man, is just listening to the audience and what they're, what they're seeing, what they're thinking, what they're feeling as they process through these scriptures with us. And, you know, the parable series definitely was a big stirring, which I love, man. Still love, still hear about that today. And then we got a chance, right, to field questions from people. We got a chance to dive into some practical, like, freedom in these things, as you already brought up. But one of the things that I kept hearing in reference to this conversation was, man, I never really had a chance to explore the scriptures through the lens of it is finished. It seems like every time I heard the Bible taught or even taught it, because there's people right from various places within our audience, it was always like kind of treating each verse almost like an island in in and of itself. 
Yeah. Instead of this overarching narrative, like no, all of scripture, everything, in the old Testament was all moving us to the coming of the Messiah, mm-hmm. our need for a savior and what that would actually look like when he announces, okay, it is finished. Sin has been dealt with. All has been reconciled. Now what? Now what? Right. Like just through that lens, you know, of looking at the scriptures, I feel like it's pretty powerful. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's it, man. That's what we're going to do. And we're gonna have some fun with it for sure. Yeah. Sweet. So just so you guys know, like the format or kind of how we're approaching this, um, speaking of listening to the audience, we are going to attempt and we're going to need, uh, you guys to pray and fast for us in this, but we are going to attempt to keep these episodes right in and around 30 minutes. Um, again, intercession, prayer, fasting um, is welcomed uh, because you guys know how we like to run our mouths. Our podcasts have been going for about an hour plus recently. So we're going to try to try to slim yeah, them man. down. And in order to kind of get through the gospel of John, and um, we decided that it would be cool from week to week let's just each of us will go back and forth on sharing the bulk of like the study and the content and driving the conversation. So we're going to be kind of like doing that kind of like back and forth format. So first up John one, one to five, Russ, you are up to bat. You're leading us off, man. You're the lead off, man. Here we go, man. Here we let's, go. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Really fast. I have to agree with you. It's going to be a miracle, but I love the idea of, of, of the 30 minute episode. And just to be clear for our audience, we are going weekly. So oh, yes. Cast, thank you for bringing that up. Yep. Larkast is getting back to, to weekly, weekly, weekly episodes and uh, Bible time with Russ and Tony. Yes. Gather around. I can't around. quite say it the way you do, but I, if you I have do, animal, if you have animal crackers or goldfish, um, if this will be a better podcast experience, just so you know, it also works with IPAs and whiskey straight. Yeah. Yeah. No chaser. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, dude. Okay. So the gospel of John is where we're at and how do we land here? I would say a couple of reasons. One being that we definitely spent a good number of time going through the parables of Jesus, unpacking these stories where he unveils, this is what God is actually like versus what you've always thought or what you've been told, um, it will flip your world right on its end, but it's the most life-giving and freeing thing in the world. Mm. Um, if you're willing to look in the mirror and admit, yes, I, I need a savior. So the gospel of John is unique to that. And what I mean by this is the gospel of John doesn't contain all the parables that are in the other gospels. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Instead, the gospel of John is a completely sort of like different narrative all in and of itself. And to save time, because of our new preference for being able to listen to the Larkast on your commute to work, instead of needing to listen to it three times over the week to cover all that was said by these guys who will never shut up, I just thought I would go ahead and read (laughs) the introduction from the New Jerusalem Bible, because I think they capture it really well and better than I'm going to be able to say it quickly. Okay, it says cool. this, the fourth, the fourth gospel, right, referring to John, stands apart from the others in several ways. Instead of the patchwork quilt of little incidents of the synoptics, referring to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this gospel is conceived on broader lines, 
Episodes are followed by a developed discourse of dialogue, which explains the meaning of the signs. Okay. Jesus is the revelation of the Father. He replaces in his own person the temple and the religious institution of the Jews. All those who encounter Jesus judge themselves by their response to him and to his message. Finally, the hour of Jesus, his passion and resurrection, is not, I love this, is not a disgrace, but is the triumph of the king messiah Hmm. in other words his death and all that he dealt with is not a disgrace it is the triumph of the king messiah it says this the plan and pattern of the gospel are also different instead of a galilean ministry followed by a final week in jerusalem this is a passing backwards and forwards between galilee and jerusalem and the highly significant cleansing of the temple i'm sorry of the temple dramatizes Jesus's message, not at the end, but at the beginning of the ministry. Hmm. Many of the themes of this gospel are gathered up in the great discourse of the Last Supper, which you'll see is chapters 14 all the way through chapter 17. Yeah. In other words, there's a lot going on here in this meal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A lot. (laughs) It would be really good for us to take some time and walk through that. So he says this, it says, So when Jesus assures his followers of his continuing presence in the spirit, who will guide them to all truth, the stress on the spirit of truth now present brings a new emphasis for us in this letter compared to the other letters. Many of the blessings of the final coming of Jesus are seen as already present, whereas the first three gospels look at them as something that's in the future. The final conflict with the powers of evil is already taking place in the death of Jesus. And eternal life is something that is already granted to those who believe. That is what this letter as a full narrative, okay, of Jesus outside of like the parables that we looked at begins to help us see. Yeah. So I just thought that was really good, man, in regards to like, man, why this? why this, why this letter? Yeah, that's really good. I feel like um, a couple of things could be contributing to John's uniqueness. One is independent. Like, I don't know if you want to get into like, I don't want, I don't personally want to get into the scholarship of all this. Like this is not Mm -mm. this podcast, Mm -mm. but um, it's definitely one of the like last books, if not the last book written, John's very old in age. And so he's writing with all this experience and all this wisdom and looking back and telling it from his perspective. And he was in like the inner circle. Like he was one of the three that Jesus trusted the most, certainly one of the three that saw him reveal himself in the fullness of his glory, but also John's like very theological too. Like he's a theological kind of like, he's a nerd. He is. Yeah. He is like the theologian, I would say. Yeah. For sure. Whereas like the other ones are more like, like Luke is just very like historical. He's just trying to get a very accurate telling of the Mm -hmm. story. John's more interested in like, you know, the, the nitty gritty, the theology of it all. The ahas, man. Like the, like the, the big truths underneath the surface of it all. Yeah, totally. So with that said, here we go. John chapter one verses just one a few light, ver- just a few light verses to kick it off with <laughs> just a few verses that will undo everything you probably ever heard in your life about what God is like and what he's doing in the world. Here we go. It says in the beginning was the word 
Okay. For those of you who are listening in and not reading along with Bible time with Russ and Tony, the word word in the scriptures is capitalized specifically because it's referring to deity. So let me read that again. In the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God and the word was God. Wow. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness, no matter how daunting it may seem, has not overcome it. That little, that one little quick line was from the RJV, the, uh, the Russ Johnson version, but. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Start kicking it off with some some heavy hitters <laughs> here, dude. Yeah, yeah. We uh I'm I was looking at you know some of these verses and I'm just going, wow, like in the beginning was the word. God is not someone who's loving but distant. That's kind of how I saw him. I'm just gonna be honest, man. Like for me in my early days, thinking about God becoming a believer at the almost the age of 20 through a friend on a freight dock. I had grown up with this idea where God was real and apparently he's loving, but I don't really feel like he likes me too much. Um, and I, and I know that he's apparently everywhere, but at the same time, he feels very distant. Mm. And you know, what we sort of see here is like, no, there's a, there's something very, very, uh, very different that's going on. And you know, just one of the things to note here that I felt like was pretty powerful in looking at this is John just sort of comes like right out of the gate with an introduction, a theological introduction to who Jesus actually is, where he's always been, and what it is that he's done and is doing in the world right now. Mm. Um, and just to be clear, this is not a prologue, all right? Um, the, you know, the word pro means before and the word, you know, logos, you know, means word. That's where we get the word prologue from. And I think it's just important to note here that what John is doing is just beginning right out of the gate with a very clear picture of who Jesus is. This again is, is an introduction. It is not a prologue because the whole point of John's opening statement is to make a foundational theological distinction about Jesus. Mm. And that's the fact that he is not a, a great teacher. Mm -hmm. He's not a, a good leader, right? As Time Magazine always, right? Every year they put out this episode about how Jesus is, you know what I mean? The greatest leader who ever existed. Um, he was this great teacher. Um, no, according to the scriptures, and not just in regards to what all of these different writers through the spirit are saying, but even from what Jesus himself declared, he is God in the flesh. Yeah in the beginning, before the foundation of the world, is Jesus. Hmm. In the beginning is the word. And the word was in the beginning, with God? Yeah. yeah. In the beginning <laughs> was. I was always taught, whatever you wanted to say in the beginning was. I don't freaking care. Here, let's put yeah. it here. Let's put it here. Put it there. It says, in the beginning was. Mm -hmm. Like he was already there before the beginning. Yes. Which, you know, in a cool way, again, John being this theologian that he is, he's, he's going right back to Genesis in his writings. Yeah. He's going right back to the very first book of the Bible. And he's showing us when you look in the scriptures, you see God, plural, 
Father, Son, the Spirit hovering over the earth, okay? You see all of this intact. It's In a sense, John is coming right out of the gate with a declaration about the Trinitarian faith that we have in God. Yeah. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all one, who, have, who has always been and made us in his, right, image. And I, and I just love that, you know, about this, that he's sort of showing us that there's an eternal relationship with the Father and the Spirit that Jesus has from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right? So this isn't just, Jesus isn't just this teacher who showed up with some really good insights about what God is like and what life could be if we took him at his word. Yeah. Jesus is God, the word who created all things, who came down the ladder to dwell with humanity. Mm-hmm. And he didn't come down the ladder and then say, Hey, I'm going to offer you guys some great insights into how you can climb the ladder and dwell with God. Instead, we start to see this understanding that no, God has never not wanted to always be with his creation. Hmm. Jesus showing up is God becoming flesh, the word becoming flesh, coming down the ladder to dwell with humanity, and then kicking down the ladder and saying, for now on, I now dwell with you. Yeah. So I like just that. To sit, I'll just say this quickly. like. Genesis, like heavens and the earth, right? Is Jewish code for all things. I felt like that was really important to just note. Oh, so like Genesis one, like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yeah. Okay. And the earth. So in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And this word goes on to create all things. So we see these eternal relationship, father and spirit from the beginning. But then we also see like, oh, he's the one who created all things. Yeah. You know, in his person, Jesus dwelling with us, God with us, he, he has forever, as I read earlier from the introduction from the New Jerusalem Bible, he has forever replaced the temple and the religious institution. All these places that we think we need to go and all of these systems and structures that we think we need to participate in, in order to dwell with God has Mm. been fulfilled in the God who became flesh and decided to dwell with us. Mm. Because let's be honest, we suck at doing all the things that would be needed to actually dwell with a perfect and holy God. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I could keep going, man, but that's uh, that's so good. Like it's almost like John is rewriting Genesis one in light of now knowing um, who this God is that created, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's basically, I mean, not only is he taking inspiration, but direct language, like you pointed out, and he's retelling the beginning, knowing that Jesus is God, the son, the creator of all things. And I think it's like, this passage is so foundational for this understanding of, you know, the Trinity. And I know I have some friends that have been like, yeah, you know, Trinity, that was like some doctrine made up and like, you know, some dude or whatever. I'm like, well, like, I'll agree with you that like some dude came up with the word, maybe like Trinity to describe this, (laughs) but, but here we have a word, a logos, right. Um, The, the voice of God, the, the revelation of God, um, the, the, the peace of the Godhead that creates 
Um, then God said, right, the voice of God, uh, that, that voice is a person. Mm-hmm. He has a name, and he was in the beginning with God, and he was face-to-face with God. So God is relational. And when he makes us in um, his image, um, that has just the implications of that are, are, are vast. I was at a gathering yesterday and our gatherings aren't necessarily like the most fun thing for kids who are younger. Um, you know, it's not like we have like this little like Sunday school thing for them or whatever. Like they're usually just, they're just kind of kicking it with us and playing with each other. Um, but there was this one boy, he didn't have any other like boys, his age, he was just in the backyard at Johnny and Chelsea's house, just hitting a tree with a stick. He was just sitting there, like just hitting a tree with a stick. <laughs> and I looked to his dad, Adam, and I'm like, bro, look at your son right now. Like, this is the epitome of boredom, you know? And it's like, when you, if you view God as like this isolated being, and it's just him. I mean, basically you have a God that's just like kicking cans at an empty field with like nothing to do. Like all oh, shucks, his head's down, you know, hitting a tree with a stick and like saying like, you know, like, man, I need something to do. I guess I'll just create a bunch of people and see what happens, you know? But it's like, dude, when you paint this picture of like, no, God, God exists eternally as a community. And there's some real beautiful things going on here. C.S. Lewis yeah. referred to it as a dance. I want to share this with others. Mm. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most beautiful pictures ever written is when C.S. Lewis described God that way. Yeah. This eternal dance, Father, Son, Spirit, in which we actually learn what it means to be human, what it means to be alive, what it means to be created in his image is to dwell with him in community forever. Mm. So his becoming flesh right? This, this in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This, this whole like picture, man, is God declaring like, you always wondered what I was like. Well, Mm. here it is. This is Jesus is the revelation of God. He is the face of God. And for me, that was pretty life-giving. Just kind of looking at these verses at face value versus what I maybe learned in Bible college or probably taught for years or even her taught for years. Cause I ain't going to lie, dude. I spent a number of years early on where I almost would see Jesus. Jesus was like going to my mom for money in high school. (laughs) Like I started to get some of these stories about Jesus where I'm like, he seems like he kind of likes us. You know, like he sort of shows up and offers, you know, a little bit of a different take. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm broke. It's, you know, it's the weekend. I'm 16. So, you know, I'm going to my mom, you know, because, you know, she was fun and she's, uh, you know, she's witty and she definitely could do. She could read your BS, bro, 10 miles down the road. But there was something about her that could almost laugh about it. And I'm like, yeah, it's Saturday night. I don't have any money. Can I get 20 bucks? You know, she'd find some way to like sneak to the back of the house and slip me a 20 before I went outside. And that's early on in my Christian days. That's kind of how I saw Jesus. But then this idea of like God, the father was this moral idea of like my dad. Because when I was asking my mom for 20 bucks on Saturday, my biggest fear is that my dad would come walking in while I was asking Mm. or he would find out before I could get out the house. Yeah. 
And just to be clear, my dad wasn't like this tyrant or anything, but you know, he definitely played that role that was needed in teaching me about responsibility and saving your money. And, you know, did you work this week? And, you know, that sort of thing. And somehow, man, I feel like we, we sort of derive these ideas about what God is like from all these various things that are in and around us. And they start to convolute what God is actually like, according to Jesus. Or, or we'll look at some of these verses and we'll go, well, yeah, I guess, you know, Jesus is this, but, and I'm like, no, there's no, but in the beginning was the word and the word was with God because he is God. How do we know that? Because the very next line and the word was God. Jesus is the face of God. One of the verses we probably quoted the most just within the ministry of Lark is Colossians 1. Verse 15, he is the image, Jesus, of the invisible God. He is the image. You want to know what God's like? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He yep. is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And I love this. For by him, all things were created. There we go. <laughs> Verse 2, John chapter 1 says it right here again. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. Hmm. which ties right back to Genesis, all things, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. All things, man. He's the creator of all things. He is the face of God. He is the revelation of the God who made us and made us to dwell with him forever so much so that in the beginning was the word and they, you know, the word was with God, right? And the word was God. The word came and dwelled among us. He makes all things. Mm. I don't know about you, man, but that's like, that's pretty life giving to me to, to sit here and, and think like, wow, Jesus, Jesus healed the sick. He walked on water, cast out demons. He rose the dead. Because he's the creator of all things. Yeah. I've heard a lot of sermons about God creating all things, but I never heard any sermons in the past about Jesus being the creator of all things. Right. And that's exactly what this verse is saying, man. In John, yeah. in Colossians, in Ephesians 1, like we can keep going. Yeah, it's like, it's interesting that you said your whole perception of God growing up, like Jesus was very relatable um, but God seemed kind of like pissed and distant and like, you know, unapproachable. I kind of had a very similar vision in terms of like God creating and sustaining the world. Um, because, you know, uh, when I started paying attention, when I turned 20, you know, you and I kind of, I, I felt like we kind of met Jesus at a similar age and a season yeah. of life. And you, you would, you would hear stuff like this. You always imagine God very distant. Like he created everything. He spoke it into existence. But then like, as soon as the word came out of his mouth, it kind of just spun off and it's kind of doing its own thing. And then you're like, no, he sustains it too. And you're like, oh, okay. Like from a distance, he sustains it. Like imagine like the, the hand of God and there's like a lightning bolt, like mm. drawn off the end of it. And from a distance, from a good distance, he kind of sustains everything and kind of keeps it going. And I love the, the phraseology in verse four, where he's saying, you know, this, this word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
all things were made through him and, w- and without him, not anything was made that was made. Verse four in him was life. Mm-hmm. And that life was the very light of men. And yeah. that phrase is so different than a distant deity with a lightning bolt coming off of his fingers who kind of like from a very far place keeps everything kind of like spinning and going. This language feels more up close. It seems more intrinsic, inherent, like um, in a very vital everyday sense, he is our very life. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it's, it's almost like starts to paint this picture that helps us understand that life apart from him is a myth. So we live in a time where people are saying, and, and if you watch the news, you know what I mean, but you'll find uh, these ideas where we're like, this is good and this isn't good. And this is where the government speaks in and where it doesn't. And, you know, this is like, you know, the church trying to bring this in, or, you know, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, a, a timeless, right. Debate and debacle that goes on in our world. And I just find myself sometimes looking at all of it and going, you know, one of the things that we forget is that Jesus isn't a life or a means to, to life. He is life itself. He's yeah. the maker of all things. It literally says in verse three, not there was nothing made that was not made by him. He is life. So whether we believe something or don't believe it is irrelevant. Yeah. He's a fixed reality. Yeah. What is and what isn't is because of him. Yeah. Period. Right. So the church, if anything, would just be people in the world who've awakened to reality. Hmm. They wouldn't be any better. They would be just as equally broken as everyone else. They just awaken to the reality that he is life. And therefore these things that we grab onto or don't grab onto, or what is good or isn't or right or wrong, or what is worthy and will you know, bring value to our lives or what won't all of that finds his existence in him who made everything brought everything into existence. I think that's why it says at the very end here, verse five, that this light, this, this very one who was life, he shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. No matter how bad things get, no matter what we're looking around and seeing is happening right now, believe me, the light who is life and the maker of all things. He shines, he exposes, he reveals himself and what is true and what is real in the midst of, right? What's going on around us. Mm. And no matter how bad you might think things are, they have no power to overcome reality because the light reveals reality and nothing that is done can undo that reality. Mm. Nothing can overcome it. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And like just saying what you're saying sheds light. We're going to get into this, I think, in the next episode of like, what is what is faith then really? Mm. And I was talking to I'll just I'll just wrap up with this because I know we want to stay true to the 30 minute thing. I could pause. Do you have a last let it like mic drop period moment for this? Okay, cool. So I was talking to my friend Tracy and she's been kind of coming around and, you know, having the conversation with Jesus with a couple of us and you know, she grew up, you know, charismatic and it was one of these like word of faith things. And her mom got cancer when she was 13 and she was not allowed to talk to anybody about it 
because she believed in this idea basically of like, well, if you share that with someone and they don't believe I'm going to get healed, that's going to send this like negative unbelief out into the cosmos and God's not going to move and act because God is basically subservient, subservient. God is basically only move. He's like, he's like, um, uh, Santa Claus and elf, like his sleigh Mm. can only fly unless we believe Like he can only move and act unless we believe. And I was like, Tracy, I was like, first of all, it's so traumatic. Like you're 13. You can't even like talk about this or process this with anybody. That brings me to tears right now. No, totally. But I go, Tracy, I go, think about what we're saying about God in that. I'm like, we're basically saying we're God. Like we're basically saying like our, our, our thoughts, our beliefs or unbeliefs are the thing that is the most sovereign thing in this world. And what I love about what you're saying is like, no dude, like God has done something and is doing something. (laughs) And like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you think about it or I think about it. It does not change the fact that it is and that it's happening. Nope. No, what we believe about him will allow us to enter into and to enjoy, to revel, to recline in reality. Yeah. It does not make reality. Yeah. And thank God for it. Because the last thing I need is a God in my life who can only fly depending on what I do. Like, no, no, that's not him at all. Yeah, he reveals, he reveals, the light reveals, and nothing that is done can overcome him, period, ever, ever, dude, that's the good news. All right, we've reached the end, we're going to stay true, dude, we're going to stay true to the time frame, we're putting a pause on it right there, John 1, 1 to 5, come back next week. Uh, for the following passages, I'm going to be carrying the load. So cheers, Russ. Good job, man. Yeah. Cheers to you, bro. And cheers to all you guys, the Lark listeners. Yes. We'll see you next week. Yeah.